Hello everyone, this is Darren. Unfortunately, I did not have time to record an episode this week, since my sister had a wedding dinner last weekend, so I had to spend a lot of that weekend entertaining family. It was good, I had a lot of fun, but that means that I did not record a podcast episode. So this week, we will have a rerun of an old episode on St. Nicholas of Mira, since his feast day is coming up soon. Plus, as we are entering into the Christmas season, it would be nice to have more Santa Claus in our lives. So please enjoy this episode on Jolly Old St. Nick. God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints, from the Anglican, Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, for this Christmas time episode, we will contemplate the life of St. Nicholas of Myra, who lived from 270 to 343 AD. His feast day is on the 6th of December, but he has also recently gained a connection with Christmas Day, since he was the inspiration for Santa Claus. St. Nicholas was a bishop a miracle worker, and a participant of the first ecumenical council, which was an important meeting of Christian leaders from all over the world. He was born to a family of wealthy Greek Christians, but his parents died when he was young, and he distributed the inheritance he received from them to the poor. From the life of St. Nicholas by Archimandrite Michael After his parents had gone to the Lord and left him much property and an abundance of money and possessions, he reckoned that he had God as his father, gazing chastely on him with the eye of his soul. He firmly begged the good God that he surrender his life and all his possessions, if that seemed good to him. He said, Teach me, Lord, to do your will, because you are my God, as well as make known to me, Lord, the path upon which I am to journey, because to you I have lifted my soul from all triviality and worldly lowliness. He seemed to hear God, as it were, speaking clearly through the holy prophet David. Even if wealth abounds, do not surrender your heart. And similarly, the author of Proverbs plainly teaches, Let almsgiving and acts of faith not abandon you, but fasten them around your neck, and you will find grace. As well as, that person benefits his soul 
who has pity on the destitute and those who happen to be poor in their livelihood. Nicholas did not cease to continually hand over his abundance, to store it up in the secure treasure houses of heaven. So he was repaid in full by the impoverished. Generosity is the defining trait of St. Nicholas's life, and this trait shows true in this story, which is probably the most famous story about St. Nicholas. The reason we say today that Santa Claus travels the world giving gifts to children is that the original St. Nicholas of Mira showed such loving generosity to three girls that his deed is still remembered today. This account of St. Nicholas's action is also from the life of St. Nicholas. It is long, but I think worth hearing in full. There was a certain man among those who were recently famous and well-born, and he was a neighbor, his home being next to Nicholas's. Owing to the plotting and envy of Satan, who always has a grudge against those who prefer to live a life in accord with God. This man was squeezed by great poverty and lack of resources. He had gone from being well-off to extreme indigence. He had three daughters who were both shapely and very attractive to the eye, and he was willing to station them in the brothel so that he might thereby acquire the necessities of life for himself and his household. For no man among the lordly or powerful deigned to marry them lawfully, and even among the lower classes and those who own the least bit of something, there was no one well-minded enough to do this. And so the man looked away from his salvation and, as it were, fainted at the thought of prevailing upon God with persistence and prayer. By this logic he came to assent to situating his daughters in the abyss of such dishonor. But the Lord who loves humankind, who never wishes his own creation to become hostage to sin, sent him a holy angel, I mean the god like Nicholas, both to rescue him, along with his whole household, from poverty and destruction, and to restore readily his previous prosperity. For when he learned of the situation, the man who was, and who was proven to be, the all-honored and truly faithful steward of the Lord, pondered in his mind this advice of Solomon's that is full of help. God loves a person who is a cheerful giver, and the one who pities a beggar is himself nurtured. And again, provide good things before God and humankind. And at one from the same place that is apt in various ways, save those who are led away to death. By the expenditure and very generous donation of his own money, Nicholas became a most ready resource for their defense, and he saved them, though they were already being led away to a death of profligacy. But behold the righteous man's understanding and the manner of his charity, 
and wonder greatly at how unassuming his virtue was, or rather, emulate him most eagerly in order that you too may be shown mercy, having great need of the kindness of God, since he who is merciful will be shown mercy, according to the Lord's saying. The true model of purity and author of sympathy, Nicholas, wishing to use his own money to help the man, and to lead him with his daughters away from the shameful and dishonorable deed which had in truth already been decided for them. What does he do? He does not appear to him in person or speak about a gift or any other type of relief, thereby freeing him from shame, while at the same time very carefully taking the trouble not to trumpet his own charity. After hurling a bag containing a large amount of gold into the house through the window at night, he quickly hastened home. When the man who had been shown this mercy found the bag when it had become day, he was seized with joy and with ungovernable tears gave thanks to God with amazement and astonishment, wondering in himself where so great a blessing had come to him from. The father of the girls, after receiving this bride price, in the belief it had been provided to them from God, and considering that the godson was a sufficient contribution for a dowry, without delay contrived a marriage for his first daughter, having acquired for her an honorable life with joy and pleasure granted by the mediation of St. Nicholas. When Nicholas, the man of God, and benefactor who was generous in his charity, looked and saw that his beneficence had resulted in a good and saving deed, when the young woman's marriage rite had passed, he threw another bag of gold, equal to the previous one through the same window later at night, and hastily went to his own home. As daybreak was dawning, the father, after shaking off the torpor of sleep, unexpectedly found this gift of gold. He fixed his face on the ground, giving prayers of thanksgiving to God with groans, as is reasonable, unable to wholly open his mouth to him, because he was struck dumb at the doubling of his kindness. With cries of prayers that were only in his heart and unuttered, he said, Show me! O merciful master, your angel among men, who has recently been proven kind to be good to us. Show me who the person is who is seasoning for us this rich feast of yours, and what type of person he is who is ministering the wealth of your immeasurable goodness to us who are lowly, through whom, beyond hope, you saved us from spiritual death, sin, and from our calamitous poverty, For behold, through your inexpressible help, I am giving my other daughter in lawful marriage and am freeing her from the impiety which we formerly practiced because of our unexpected desperation, glorifying your all-holy name and exalting your unending goodness toward us who are unworthy. Accordingly, after the father yoked his other daughter in the same way as his previous daughter, and shared in the gifts of God to his servant Nicholas, he vigilantly 
and attentively stayed awake the following nights, confidently expecting that the person who had secretly furnished such money for her sisters would provide a dowry for his third daughter, for then he would get hold of him so long as at any rate he did not elude him when he entered the house by falling asleep. As the man was meditating on these matters and staying awake with great effort, the worshipper of the Trinity and of one member of the Holy Trinity, Christ our true God, the servant Nicholas appeared, and again at his usual point late at night, in order to escort the man's third daughter as he had done to the others, he threw in through the same window a gift of gold similar to the ones he had previously thrown in, and withdrew quietly from the place. But the father perceived his arrival because of the gift of gold that fell into the house, and going quickly from the house overtook the saint at a run. When he recognized who he was, he threw himself face first at his feet with cries, and gave thanks to him over and over with many words, and called him his and his three daughters' saviour, and said, If our common master, Christ, hadn't stirred your goodness, we would have long ago destroyed our own lives by a shameful and destructive livelihood. But as it was, the Lord has saved us through you, most blessed one, and rescued us from the filth of immorality. And so we ought, like a debt, to give thanks to you all of our days, because you stretched out the hand of help to us and caused the poor to rise from the ground and raised the destitute up from a dunghill through your generous and truly wonderful gift. When St. Nicholas heard these words, he raised him up from the ground, and binding him by an oath not to make any of these blessings of which he had thought him worthy known to anyone as long as he should live, he let him go in peace. O oh, the compassion of the holy man toward the needy! O oh, the beneficial and beautiful purpose of all blessed Nicholas! The care of his good-natured soul revealed in visible form a model of our Saviour Christ's compassion toward us. He showed a shepherd's consideration toward those who are sick in soul. At some point after this, he is appointed bishop. He is known as a humble and loving leader for the church in Mira, and also a staunch advocate of Christian truth against the attacks of heretics. In St. Nicholas's time, the Arian heresy was very influential. In the 4th century, there were even Roman emperors who were Arian. The Arians believe that Jesus was merely a created being, subordinate to God the Father. Through the efforts of St. Nicholas and other faithful leaders of the church, this heresy was defeated and exists today only in the beliefs of some small fringe groups. St. Nicholas was a zealous defender of true Christian doctrine. In fact, he is renowned to have punched Arius in the first ecumenical council, which convened to discuss this Arian controversy. 
This account is taken from the website of the Orthodox Church of America. In the year 325, St. Nicholas was a participant in the first ecumenical council. This council proclaimed the Nikean symbol of faith, which is the creed, and he stood up against the heretic Arius, with the likes of St. Sylvester, the Bishop of Rome, Alexander of Alexandria, Spiridon of Trimethontus, and other fathers of the council. St. Nicholas, fired with zeal for the Lord, assailed the heretic Arius with his words and also struck him upon the face. For this reason, he was deprived of the emblems of his episcopal rank and placed under guard. But several of the Holy Fathers had the same vision, seeing the Lord himself and the Mother of God returning to him the Gospel and the Amorphorian, This is the bishop's vestment, which symbolizes a bishop's authority. The fathers of the council agreed that the audacity of the saint was pleasing to God and restored the saint to the office of bishop. St. Nicholas is also renowned as a miracle worker, and since Mira was an important port back in his day. Many of his miracles involve sailors and ships. This is why he is known today as the patron saint of sailors. Here is one such account, again from Michael the Archimandrite's Life of Nicholas. Some sailors who were once sailing across the sea, when a mighty swell and storm suddenly arose against them by the plotting of a very fierce wind, saw that they were going to be altogether and completely subjected to a most inevitable danger of death. At length they remembered St. Nicholas and called by him, by name, for aid. Our Holy Father, who is quick to hear those who call to him in misfortunes with contrition, appeared to them by God's order in the very hour of their distress, and said to them, Behold, you have called me, and I am here to help you. And so, being seen by the sailors as strengthening them, and emboldening them, and assisting them and enduring with them at every part of the boat, that is, with the ropes and poles, he thus, with God's help, saved them from the danger, and after guarding them closely, restored them to a calm anchorage. After the sailors disembarked from the ship, they inquired with desire and faith after the person who saved them from a most miserable death, and wished to pay him honour with their gratitude. After learning that he was in the church, they went there to see him, and after seeing that the holy teacher of Christ was unadorned, and that he had entered like one of the many clergy, they who had not seen this man before recognised him without any trouble. Recognizing the appearance of the saint by his manifestation and help on their ship. After slowly approaching him, they fell at his feet, giving him thank offerings and reporting to him how he had appeared to them at their first call when they were sailing and how, by his assistance, he had released them from that fearful and harmful trouble.
St. Nicholas's Day is celebrated on November the 6th and is a particularly important saint's day in many parts of the world. Children receive gifts in stockings to commemorate that story of St. Nicholas's generosity to the three girls, since in another version of that story, St. Nicholas puts the money in their stockings instead of throwing it in their window. The Dutch pronunciation of his name, Sinterklaas, morphed into Santa Claus in the United States, a character who lives in the North Pole and travels the world on Christmas Eve on a sleigh pulled by reindeer, giving presents to children. There are a lot of Christians who are unhappy with how this character of Santa Claus dominates the Christmas season because of how he detracts attention from the birth of Jesus Christ or how he encourages in children a materialistic desire for presence. These are very understandable concerns, but at the same time, I am thankful of how a kernel of the true Saint Nicholas exists still within the character of Santa Claus, so that even in households that do not worship Christ or recognize the saints, people celebrate, in a way, the Christ-like act of kindness, charity, and love that St. Nicholas of Myra showed to the children of his day all those centuries ago. On St. Nicholas's day, the Anglicans pray this collect. Grant, Almighty God, that your church may be so inspired by the example of your servant Nicholas of Myra that it may never cease to work for the welfare of children, the safety of sailors, the relief of the poor, and the help of those tossed by tempests of doubt or grief. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And the Eastern Christians pray this troparin on November the 6th or possibly on November the 19th, if they use the Julian calendar. The sincerity of your deeds has revealed you to your people as a teacher of moderation, a model of faith, and an example of virtue. Therefore, you attain greatness through humility and wealth through poverty. O Father and Archbishop Nicholas, ask Christ to save our souls. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for our page on Facebook or Instagram, or look for us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. In this episode, I quoted several times from The Life of St. Nicholas, by Archimandrite Michael. The translation I used was by John Quinn and Bryson Sewell. To end this episode, I once again go 
to that life of St. Nicholas. Appearing to us as the brightest dawn of piety and the epitome of the wondrous stars, Nicholas, the holy hierarch of Christ, trains everyone to give praise to God. As we annually commemorate him, he illuminates the way ahead of us like a light-filled beam of the Son of Justice, casting the radiance of his virtues like gold-gleaming rays. Moreover, he stirs lovers of the poor, and indeed those who love Christ and those who pardon humanity, to celebrate his memory with psalmody and with hymns. And by the example he set, with mercy for those in need, and through this to purify themselves in anticipation of sojourning with us of the divine word made flesh of the Holy Virgin. For I think there is no believer throughout the world who has not found him a help in danger and a keen ally amid various troubles. For this reason, every tongue that reverences him in Christ hastens as a debtor to honor him with song and is roused to have him as an advocate before God. Mm-hmm.